Welcome everyone to the Australian Bitcoin podcast. In this episode, you're listening to myself, Justin, and Daniel from Hardblock. And today we'll be discussing recent global and local Bitcoin news. But before we start, a quick word from our sponsor. The Australian Bitcoin podcast is brought to you by hardblock.com.au. Hardblock is Australia's oldest Bitcoin only exchange. They have no added fees and are optimized for dollar cost averaging. Sign up to Hardblock today using the discount link in the description below to receive free auto send batch Bitcoin withdrawals for six months. All right, Daniel, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, it's very cold here in Adelaide, very- And very foggy as very well. Very foggy, it feels like we're, I was saying, it feels like we're in UK or something. I know. Um, middle of winter. But... It's very eerie rolling into the uh, the city today and you can't, you can only see like 10 meters in front of you, the rest of it is just very misty, yeah, something from a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anything new going on? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mentioned this to you before, but I had my bike stolen like last <laughs> week, which was, I was kind of shocked. And I, I wonder if it relates to Bitcoin. My my wife actually thinks it does because she reckons like people, there's going to be more, uh, you know, more like people having more economic hardship. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like petty crime will go up. And I had my bike stolen in Adelaide. In the middle of the day, right out of the front of the office. Yeah, right as well. in front. Of, it's it's basically like thirty seconds from where I'm working. I could almost see it from when I'm sitting. Mm. So I was very shocked. But in the middle of the day in Adelaide, which is a very safe place, they stole my bike. So I'm still kind of thrilling from that. Um, yeah. And apart from that, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, so. Uh, last week we had the Australian Bitcoin Industry Body had its. Uh, first general meeting, mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, interesting. So for voice of what you, came out of that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so well, for voice of you who don't know, last people who were in the Bitcoin community at the Bitcoin Bush Bashes were talking about starting a Bitcoin only industry body because there's blockchain Australia, but they're very there's a lot of questionable people who were involved in blockchain Australia were doing some questionable I can tell projects. just by the name blockchain Australia yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, I remember I went to once a blockchain and we'd done a conference and in that conference over two days like basically I think I had the word Bitcoin like three or four times mm. yeah. but anyway um yeah so the Australian Bitcoin industry body was started by Ethan from Bitaru and um so we had the first gen uh, the first general meeting and it was just a summary of what it was doing it still was kind of very, you know very early um so really just it got what came out of it was we talked about the financials which you know it doesn't have it's still very low like a lot of people didn't have to pay in the first year and well, what it's been doing i think if it wants to get the community voices involved a bit more uh, there's also a board election coming up. And also, there's also an issue because Ethan, he does a pretty good job, but he moved to UK mm. recently, which is kind of not ideal yes, for the CEO. Yes, to be on the Australian Bitcoin industry body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think it's like, yeah, so I, I think if he's going to stay the long time, long term, I, I don't know how that would work out. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a like a rotating roster for the CEO? Is it like a three-year stint or a one or two-year or something like that? For the board members, there is. Yeah. Uh, it's three years and there's three board members. So I'm a board member. I'll be going up, uh, like there'll be a election for my board seat. For the CEO, um, it's not, I think even keen to find somebody else. But yeah, it would have to be somebody appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I certainly don't want to get involved because it's for me, the CEO, it's kind of a lot of work mm, true. and yeah. I, I personally don't have the time. But yeah, I think at some point, like if if Ethan does stay overseas long term. Don't need to be yeah. some sort of election yeah, process I, I think or the, something. The, 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 yeah, I'm not sure. If, uh, yeah, I think at some point that the CEO should probably be in Australia. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. You mentioned that um, Ethan or, or the board generally was keen to get like more you say like community, community the community yeah so there's a community um he wants to get the kind of community voices a bit more involved is there anything people can do with that is it just well, to be honest, that's, that's actually media? yeah that's what he mentioned so i'm not quite sure what he meant by that um 
So yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. That's actually what I asked him. Like, what exactly does that mean? But I'm not sure. That's it. Oh, I guess if anyone <laughs> has never even seen it, they're, they're, I'm not sure what their Twitter ha Twitter handle is. But I'll link it in the show notes because if anyone's keen to like yeah. follow them and just engage yeah. a bit more or something, yeah, that yeah, could be yeah, a way. And yeah, yeah. yeah, they've got a website you can sign up as a member. Um, yeah. But yeah, until then, I guess wait yeah. to hear a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll jump into the news because we've got mm -hmm. uh, got a lot of. As the world becomes more catastrophic, we seem to have a lot more news. So we'll uh, we'll jump into it. We've got four different news headlines here that are all about inflation. So I'm going to cluster them together. So we've got the United Kingdom's annual inflation rate as of May is 9.1%. Spain's annual, uh, I say inflation rate, but I mean CPI. So just if I, if I accidentally say inflation, just hear CPI. Mm. So the Spain annual CPI as of June is 10.2%. The Eurozone annual CPI as of June is 8.6%, and Turkey's CPI annually as of June is 76, sorry, 78.6%. Mm. Huge numbers. Yeah. Um, I remember when we started this podcast, we had CPI stats in there maybe once every two podcasts or something along those lines. Yeah. And it was one CPI stat because there'd be one that was really standout. Now it seems like every week there's a standout statistic of mm. CPI. Uh, I don't think that's going yeah. away. Um, it's just sort of a, a sign of the times and a sign of soft money, I guess, or mm. easy money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like each time we do the news, the numbers get a little bit higher. Mm. And Definitely. Uh, I think it's one of those things, you know, how the sun goes, uh, like, slowly and then you know how suddenly you, oh yeah, gradually and suddenly gradually yeah and that's suddenly, we're in the suddenly yeah. part for inflation that's yeah, for sure yeah. Yeah. i think just changing away from the gradually to suddenly but that's kind of how you start getting hyperinflation the inflation keeps creeping up and eventually you know people think okay the prices are just rising but uh, like at some point people just will like there's no point me keeping money i just have to get rid of any money i have absolutely and they just like run away from holding any cash as fast as they can and this basically you get a bank run on mm. the currency and that's when you start getting hyperinflation that's it so if these numbers keep on creeping up if they don't like yeah if you don't come under control uh, i think you could have a hyperinflation situation maybe and it seems that the central banks they're kind of they're doing something, but it really does seem to be too little, too late. But not, but not really. Like they increased the interest rates. Like, like they need to. I would think they probably need to increase like fifteen percent. You know, twenty percent. Uh, yeah, but yeah. they don't want to do that. That's but right. I think that's kind of what you need to do to actually get this under control. Yeah, like Turkey. 78.6%. Yeah. How much do you increase interest yeah. rates to, to, to try to curb that? Yeah, and yeah, can anyone yeah. actually survive with interest yeah. rates? E even some of these other ones like UK 9.1, Spain 10.2. Yeah. It's like if interest rates went up to 10% or yeah. even close to that, yeah. like we've got so much debt. The world is ha has more debt now than ever before, really. Yeah. And governments as well. It's just, yeah, too little, too late. And I think it creates a problem in and of itself, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. Bitcoin fixes this, yeah. <laughs> I think, is the obvious solution. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah, when, when you start getting this, like, run on the currency, people just go to whatever else they can store their value in. And one of the best options now is Bitcoin. That's it. I mean, in like, I was reading the book, uh, When Money Dies. It's a pretty interesting book mm. about inflation in Weimar, Germany. And it talked, uh, like, when... Initially, people were holding the marks and they just thought, you know, if the prices are going up. But when it started becoming higher and higher, the inflation, and kind of became, went into a hyperinflation situation, they were just holding on to anything. Um, that was like actually a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like even like furniture and things like that, you know, anything but just holding, except holding on to cash. And uh, at that point, unfortunately, they didn't have that m much options of mm. what to hold. But now people do have a great option, which is Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? You hear stories of people, you know, burning money to stay warm. But fiat currencies, there's been many points in history where it gets so devalued that that is, that is the utility that mm. it has is to keep you warm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy times. And I guess in related news, so Sri Lanka has declared bankruptcy. Um, a little while ago, so maybe two months or so ago, they declared bankruptcy for foreign debt. So more or less said, we have no longer any foreign reserves, so we're not paying foreign debt anymore. 
they've now essentially done this um, domestically as well to say that they cannot buy and supply food and fuel. The currency has essentially run out. So the Sri Lankan prime minister, I understand, has resigned, um, but it's happening in like a day or two and yeah. he's already left the yeah. country. Um, and so now uh, the other political parties are going to form some sort of, you know, a temporary government yeah. to try to sort this out. But a lot of political, I say political, I mean like civil unrest over there, understandably, as people aren't able to, um, you know, get fuel or, or food and doesn't look like there's any solution to the crisis. Like, I don't know what happens from here. I guess the IMF steps in and says, we'll bail you out and give you another really big loan that you'd probably never be able to pay back and we'll prop up your currency for a little bit longer. Yeah, well, as from what I understand, that's actually part of a problem that Sri Lanka can't get loans mm. because yeah, it defaulted. Uh, so you try out of foreign currency. Yeah. And um, and COVID also had an, an impact on that because tourist was tourism was True. a big part of the industry and part of the way how we got foreign currency. Mm. But they ran out of foreign currency, and because they went, they defaulted. I'm not sure when. Uh, like I think it was a few months. That back. was it was a couple of months back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they can't get foreign foreign loans. Mm. So like actually, like um, my wife's friend is Sri Lankan. Her mum just came back from to Australia from Sri Lanka to visit my mm. wife's friend. Um, so she was saying, yeah, basically people are like students aren't going to school, not because of COVID, because they don't like petrol, like people can't get to school and things like that. It's yeah. like the whole country has ground to a standstill. Yeah. So like students there are like learning remotely um, because of that. Um, yeah, it's just the whole country ground to a halt. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's a spiral, isn't it? Because if the country grinds to a halt, GDP stops, yeah. you know, productivity just right. overall stops, which means your ability to ever get a loan yeah. or to pay off the existing debt that you have, which is probably increasing in interest yeah. because you're now seen as a bad debtor, that it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. And I imagine if, say, the IMF or the World Bank does step in yeah. to offer a loan, which I'm guessing they will at some point, there'll be a lot of strings attached to that, like yeah, yeah. being able to have UN votes or austerity measures or, yeah. I don't know, uh, trade uh, restrictions or something, which is what happens generally in other yeah, countries. Yeah. But it, I don't think it looks good for Sri Lanka in terms of the long term, even when the bailout comes, it'll just come with a, a lot of strings, as they usually do. Right, yeah, that's exactly kind of... Um, it reminds me, you mentioned the book you read, The Confessions of Economic Hitmen. Yes, Is that yeah, where very, very economic similar to this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely, uh, exactly. Come in to say like, hey, look, we can bail out you uh, from all this debt yeah. and we just want to build this really great airport that's going to be amazing yeah. for your GDP, but it's yeah. going to be denominated in our currency, yeah. so you need to buy our currency and strengthen it. Yeah. Uh, and if you ever default on those debts, then yeah, we'll, we'll get some yeah. of your UN votes or we'll, we'll take some of your raw materials and sell them back to you as produced goods. Yeah, yeah, as Saifedean calls it, the the misery company, which is like yeah. economic development in right. uh, developing countries. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But and I think this stuff, I think Sri Lanka is just an early example. I really believe that there will be much more situations like this in the world over the next two or three or four years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because obviously, like the two key things, energy and food are going up very fast mm. and for you know it's hitting us even in australia right yeah like i went to like to fill up my car like it's just <laughs> crazy to fill up a full car uh, like my car has diesel and it's just yep, like same you know, <laughs> yeah it's like 150 dollars to fill it up now yeah, like, i don't yeah, think i've ever yeah. paid over 100 <laughs> but uh, there you go yeah but like okay in australia like We've got a bit of dispensable income, a little, mm. you know, still people have it, you know, like, but if you go to like a developing country, like a lot of these people, you know, live kind of you know, basically from, you know, they don't have any, yeah. they have very little savings and food and energy. It's basically, that's what most of their income yes. comes, yeah. goes to. They don't have any spare money to go on a holiday um, overseas, like that's we do right. in Australia. So like most of the budget goes to food and energy mm. so in like developing countries if the food energy goes up suddenly it doesn't mean just like a worse quality of life it just means like they could literally be going hungry hungry yeah, yeah. and i think that's going to mean a lot of political turbulence uh, around the world yeah understandably and i think you're right as well that this is just an example 
that sort of like front running, <clears throat> not front running, but like is ahead of the pack. Basically, yeah. we're going to see this more and more. And it's pretty unprecedented as well because we have, you know, I would say record high inflation in most places, but now interest rates are going up when we have a record amount of debt. And even yeah. when you look at Australia, so most Australians in middle or lower income yeah. are, uh, you're right, like a proportion of their salary, a very large proportion of yeah. their salary goes to food, energy, and yeah. then mortgage. Yeah. And so food and energy are going up. And so to curb that, the central bank is putting interest rates up, which mm. means your mortgage becomes more mm. expensive mm. too. Yeah. And there's supply issues with yeah. the food and the fuel. It's not all just about and there yeah. being too much money in the system. So essentially, it's quite likely that all of those prices are going to keep going up, like mortgage, yeah. food and fuel. And so if that's already the majority percentage of people's yeah. salary, I, I mean, you get to a point where you're then overstretched and you just start right. going negative further and further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think like this isn't limited to... Uh, to you know, nations and individuals, because we've got a couple of other news stories that we'll, we'll shift to now, which are more about um, institutions that are going through the same thing, where they're, they're overstretched in terms of loans. Um, you know, you could say they're, they're over leveraged, and now they need to pay some of that mm. back, and are finding like they don't have enough money to do mm. so, mm. and there's not really a, a simple solution for it. Like yeah. really, the solution is more bailouts. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll pivot from the Sri Lanka news, and I'll mention some of what I'm talking about here. So. Um, this is probably to do or related to the price dump with Bitcoin as well. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot yeah. of things. It's a complicated situation, but you've got companies like FTX, which is a cryptocurrency mm -hmm. trading platform, um, bailing out an insolvent yield providing service called BlockFi. And they also provide Bitcoin loans. And that's to the tune of something like $400 million, a credit facility. Around the same time, uh, FTX is also trying to bail out Voyager another yeah. cryptocurrency lending and yield providing platform and that i've heard various different amounts but that's to the tune of around 485 million and it doesn't seem like that's actually helping very much yeah. because voyager even though they've got that 485 million bailout is now declaring bankruptcy yeah and there's lots of very strange things in this story that i don't think we're going to be able to cover in enough detail but just to sort of float some of the ideas here in voyager's uh bankruptcy filings FTX is one of the places that took a loan out from them for around 377 million. So just in, in case so, that so was- So can you say that? So FTX- So yes, yeah, so, so FTX is, has bailed out Voyager yeah, for 485 yeah, yeah. million. Yeah. But when Voyager then has gone and declared bankruptcy, it turns out that Voyager had loaned FTX 377 million. That is not meant right, to happen and right. so that's something that's now going to like trigger an investigation because ftx is bailing so out voyager went bankrupt anyway yes yeah. that's right okay. so like they they give them essentially about 500 million dollars voyager then still declares bankruptcy and in voyager's filings they found that ftx actually owes mm -hmm. voyager around 377 okay. million so how do you owe 377 million and then give a 500 million dollar line of credit aren't you essentially paying back your loan but that wasn't what the line of credit was about so it's all very, very strange mm. in terms of how this is all working. Um, <clears throat> Celsius, which I, I don't have a headline here, but it relates to all this stuff. A lot of people have heard about Celsius and the kind of price dumping and very similar a lending and yield providing platform. Uh, there's now been a lawsuit put against them to say that it's essentially just a Ponzi scheme. There's now evidence to say yeah. that- Celsius. Been, Celsius, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. They've been paying uh, new investors, or sorry, old investors' interest just with new investors' funds. Yeah. So not even trying to do, um, like, earn money and then pay the interest or the yield yeah. off of that money. Yeah. They're actually just, like, paying it with new investors' money. So this is all, and, of course, these companies are all lending each other money. Yeah. Um, so, like, Celsius has loans from places like BlockFi and Voyager and vice versa, which means that if one of them has a lot of insolvency problems, the rest of them have a lot right. of insolvency problems okay. too. And... I guess just to sort of like hit a couple of the headlines here to make the, the plot a bit thicker. Yeah, okay. So FTX wants to bail out BlockFi. <clears throat> yeah. And with a, this sort of $400 million line of credit, Morgan Creek Digital is currently one of the BlockFi shareholders. Okay. And they want to instead bail out BlockFi because if FTX bails out BlockFi, it actually wipes out all of BlockFi's shareholders, including Morgan Creek Digital. So these bailouts are not bailouts where it's like, we're going to save you and we're going to save all your shareholders and all your customers. This bailout is essentially saying, well, we're going to take ownership of at least some part of this. And you need to not then pay off your shareholders and your customers because otherwise 
this bailout's not going to solve the problem. FTX would take control? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and so now there's almost like a bit of a, what seems like a bidding war of now another company coming in to say, well, we want to bail them out instead because we're a majority shareholder. And if that other person, FTX, oh. bails them out, we're going to lose oh, out. So, so we, we want to come up with the money to bail you out instead. So basically, um, tell me if I'm understanding this oh. correctly. So you're saying that because... Um, are you talking about Celsius in this case? Uh, Blockfi. Blockfi, 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 yeah, yeah. 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 So you're saying FTX and Morgan Creek wanna purchase them because then when the Blockify goes bankrupt, the owner can choose which shareholders get paid out and they can choose that they themselves get paid out where other shareholders yeah, yeah, okay. essentially along saying? those lines. Okay, yeah. yeah, except they're okay. not—they're not even saying we want to buy it. They're saying we're going to bail like it out. Shit. But 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 there will be some yeah some level of stipulations okay. in that to say okay. well if we give you this loan, it's on the proviso that oh, we're we're protected okay. in some way, or our shares are protected, or this loan has to be paid back to us before you pay back other shareholders and customers. So it's it's not really them buying ownership, but they're bailing it out with a lot of rules attached to it. Um, mm. Having said that, uh, FTX has offered to buy it as well. They said we can give you a four hundred million dollar line of credit, or we can just buy the whole thing for two hundred and forty million. Yeah. And so, it, look, it's unclear exactly what's going to happen, and, <clears throat> and this is a very confusing situation. That every couple of days, there's a new headline that just seems more, more dodgy or more strange. Um, I think it's just useful for people to know this is all happening around the same time as, um, I guess, literal nation states declare insolvency yeah. and bankruptcy. So this is. This is fractional reserve yeah. banking, I would say, coming home to roost in, in both the sort of central bank, um, in, uh, sorry, nation state level, as well as institutions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because when I had FTX giving a loan to buy out these companies, it, I, like, why would they do that? Yeah, Especially if like, these companies are failing. Make, where, where are you going to come up with like yeah. a billion dollars to bail out a couple of it's lending platforms? It's like <laughs> out of the goodness of the heart. Like, it just seems <laughs> yeah. like. Um, yeah, like that makes more sense. Some ulterior and motives. Yeah, it all looks very dodgy. I just hope, yeah, like I hope always we don't want this stuff. Like let no. market economics play out. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. At the end of the day with Bitcoin, if you're holding your Bitcoin, you know, like it, nobody's like playing games with it. Nobody's lending it out. Nobody's doing some kind of, you know, Lending and relending in yeah. fractional reserve. That's why you have to own your keys and own your Bitcoin. That's it. And if you own your keys and your Bitcoin, nobody can do these silly games. It's a peace of mind thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but people do have money on exchange. And so I guess we're playing the silly games that we didn't like in the uh, kind of old legacy financial system. It, that's right. We're trying to like, we're not we, but yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah, are trying yeah, to yeah, replicate yeah, it in yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, hopefully if people get burnt, they learn the yeah. lesson and, yeah. and, you know, take self-custody because that's, yeah. the, I think that's the way. Yeah. And just, just a little quick, kind of slightly tangent you, but on FTX, I was recently talking to a trader and he's, he's not just because right now in like crypto, yeah. there's, you know, a lot of traders who just like got into trading, but he's actually like a pretty experienced trader. He worked for like investment firms and traded like foreign currency, like in his job in Sydney and stuff. And, but he's involved in trading Bitcoin now. And so he's actually a serious trader, not mm. some kind of, you know, a guy who's trading from his bedroom. <laughs> That's like right. Type yeah. of thing, you know, like just came along recently, but he, he was saying that, um, he actually tried trading on FTX and I didn't quite understand it, but he said they were doing the same, according to him, we're doing something dodgy where like he put a trade and there's a, like a delay or something. Yeah. So the, yeah. I heard this about Robinhood and I imagine most big exchanges are doing this where they use, because they get to see all the orders, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, they front run the orders. Basically, that's what he was saying. Yeah. yeah and yeah, sometimes yeah. it's just for like fractions of a percent. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, when you're doing that with millions of dollars of turnover yeah. every hour or every day or whatever it might be, yeah. it adds up to a significant yeah. you know, portion. But essentially, they're front running their customers yeah, because yeah. they can see what their customers are yeah. about to trade. Yeah. Basically, that's more or less what he said. It's kind of his trades are some, somehow delayed and they're front run. Yeah. And it's basically a dodgy scam. He did actually say that on Binance, it does seem to be legit and yeah. like he trades on Binance. But that's like um, what he, that was his comment of on FTX, yeah. which shows 
that they have, you know, it's a bit of a questionable company. Definitely, yeah. All of this stuff, I think, has, like, sh shown a light on how kind of either corrupt or, yeah. like, easily exploited some of these things are because some of these things could be legal to do if they're, like, you know, semantically defined <clears throat> in a certain way, but clearly not ethical, regardless yeah. of whether yeah. they're legal or yeah. not. I guess as a, a final point about uh, uh, lending and your platforms collapsing. So Celsius looked like they were going to declare bankruptcy. It doesn't look like that's the case anymore. Mm. So apparently they paid down quite a bit of their loans. Okay, yeah. And so there was a, a lot of um, info floating about to say like they had a liquidation price yeah. of Bitcoin around like 22,000 and then it was down to like 16 and 15,000. Yeah. Now apparently that's down to about two or 3,000 Bitcoin. So if, as long as the price doesn't get down to two or $3,000 per Bitcoin, yeah. Celsius will survive. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because Goldman Sachs was kind of like circling um, to help others uh, get about $2 billion worth yeah. of uh, uh, loans to be able to buy Celsius's assets. Yeah. So not to bail them out, not to give them a mm -hmm. line of credit, but to say, once you declare bankruptcy, we'll buy all yeah. your assets from you, yeah. which I guess is kind of the more free yeah. market, creative destruction type approach. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it looks like that might not happen. It looks okay. like Celsius might kind of okay. like claw themselves back from the grave. Yeah, okay, we'll see. So similar to this, to some degree, is uh, India-based cryptocurrency exchange called Vold. Uh, freezes withdrawals due to insolvency. So that might not seem like new news, but I just threw this one in there because it's such a large institution. So they have over a million customers and more than 1 billion under management. And so yeah. this is this is very similar to yeah. like BlockFi and Celsius and Voyager and what we've just talked about. But this is a very India-centric um, exchange. I think maybe um, their largest exchange mm -hmm. or one of. So this is happening you know, all over the world. And again, a central... Uh, sorry, uh, fractional reserve banking kind of coming home to roost. Yeah, keep your, own your keys, keep your keys of, give your Bitcoin off an exchange. Absolutely. Now, some good institutional news. Uh, NYDIG, which is the New York Digital Investment Group, has announced an alliance with Deloitte, which is very, very large, you know, accounting um, and yeah. uh, procurement and kind of everything else firm. And their idea is that they want to provide global Bitcoin banking for everyone. And it's a pretty good kind of ethos, a pretty good uh, value or goal to have. NYDIG's been, I think, quite instrumental in uh, sort of pushing Bitcoin only and Bitcoin as harder money. So I think this is pretty cool, like two very big players, um, especially Deloitte, which is much larger, I would say, than NYDIG um, pairing up for something related to Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sounds interesting. Mm. I don't know the details, but I have to say when I hear Bitcoin banking, like again, my like, <laughs> like comes like, are we going to be like, do they control your Bitcoin? Again, like, can, can we, that's it's right. Not, yeah. Ross, Ross Stevens, who's the uh, founder of NYDIG, he's been on um, a few podcasts. And my understanding, he's very much a Bitcoiner in the sense of like yeah. he doesn't want third-party custodian risk related to Bitcoin. He doesn't want yeah. fractional reserve banking related to Bitcoin. But, you know, people can say one thing and then when there's a lot of money on the table, can do something quite different. So we'll, we'll have to see. I agree with you. Take yeah. it with a grain of salt. So far, yeah. sounds like some nice news. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like, it's all right. Like, like with us at Hardbook, sometimes if it's like an older customer who's not that familiar with Bitcoin technology, like, you know, having as a if you're trying to get into bitcoin as a first step if for the first few months you keep some bitcoin and exchange yeah. like that's okay yeah. like we try to encourage them to kind of move it off eventually but you know if like if what they're doing is as a kind of as a step uh, before they uh, move it to their own kind of storage yeah. that might be okay or even something like what Unchained Capital does, where it's like a multi-signature, yeah, yeah, where you yeah, control yeah, the majority yeah, of the yeah, keys, but they yeah. have some just in case you lose one. Like something like that, I you know wouldn't be outraged against. I think it's better for people to control yeah. their own. But yeah, yeah. There's, there's a there are certain populations that might not be able to at the moment, at least. So because yeah. I haven't heard of what's NYDIG. I haven't heard of that company. So NYDIG, yeah, the New York Digital Investment yeah. Group. So Ross Stevens, they manage something like $10 billion worth of Bitcoin for customers. Okay. Um, there was a sort of an iconic podcast with he and... So it seems like more like a centralized version yes, control. Yeah, so that it's for institutions mainly. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, they have global customers, so it's not... Yeah. I think it's based in America, yeah, sure, but they sure. have 
customers all over. But yeah, he uh, I had never heard of Ross Stevens before. And about maybe a year and a half ago, he did a podcast with Michael Saylor. Okay, I thought yeah. like Michael Saylor's, you know, the big guy in Bitcoin. He's got like 1.5 yeah. billion Bitcoin at that stage. But then Ross Stevens starts talking about his like $10 billion of Bitcoin that he manages. Yeah. So, uh, and Ross Stevens put out quite a large, um, every year, puts out like a, a report to his mm -hmm, investors mm -hmm. to say, this is our direction. This mm -hmm. is what we want to do. Yeah. Last year, he put out a uh, that investor report. It was just all about Bitcoin and mm. how like Bitcoin has sort of changed his his worldview okay. and how he believes like this is the future okay. of money okay. and civilization and everything else. Um, talks a bit about Bitcoin mining, humanitarian you know impacts, etc. Yeah. So yeah. he's he's okay. the head cool. of NYDIG. Yeah. So okay. kind of kind of cool to see how that shapes yeah. up. That sounds yeah, that sounds good. Sort of related, uh, at least parallel news. So Citibank, which is a global bank managing around 27 trillion US dollars to over 200 million customers in around 160 countries, have hired a Swiss firm called Metico to establish a digital, digital asset custody platform, uh, which I imagine is going to be something similar to, again, like an unchained capital type deal where they say we can custody your Bitcoin uh, and your other digital assets. Um, hopefully in some sort of like multi-sig escrow type setup. But okay. I guess other big institutional news um, yeah. moving forward, especially Citibank, like a huge yeah. player. Right, yeah. So moving on to some gold news, uh, a lot of interesting stuff happening with this. So US and Britain have decided to ban gold imports from Russia. At the same time, India has raised its import duty or its import tax on gold from 75 to 12.5%. And they're doing that to protect their currency because they can see more mm. and more people fleeing to gold. They are the uh, second largest importer of gold in the world. Mm. But at the same time, you've got a country like Zimbabwe introducing gold coins as an inflation hedge because their currency is currently collapsing. Okay. So it's almost like you've got the US and Britain banning gold imports from Russia, um, mm. but not from other countries, of course. And you've got India saying you can import gold, but it's going to cost you about twice as much in terms of taxes. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got Zimbabwe saying we want to, we want people to be using gold more because otherwise, if you're using our current currency, it's not going to work well for you. So people are kind of fleeing to hard money. Okay. Or governments are seeing people are fleeing to hard money and then saying, no, we need to clamp down. We need to stop people like using the exit hatch because otherwise, it's going to weaken our currency. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty interesting about Zimbabwe. So after all those years of inflation, economic troubles, it sounds sounds like the government. Is moving to sound money. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting if that's. Uh, I'd be. I don't know about the details of it. Maybe that's kind of. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe it's misleading because you can only like. It's hard to believe that a government who has managed manage the currency for so long is now moving to sound money. But if they they are. Uh, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's we're going to see probably a variety of nations dealing with this in different ways aren't yeah. we like yeah, obviously india saying we don't want people going to that we're going to clamp down to strengthen our dollar us and britain i imagine are doing that for the same reason but also trying to stop russia being able yeah. to prop up their own currency with selling um, gold as a commodity mm. but yeah i imagine there's going to be some nation states that say why why let's not repeat this again let's not just like reboot our currency let's actually yeah. like try to have this other currency instead and then maybe we have a gold back currency or something yeah. like that it's hard to yeah. see. So maybe Zimbabwe in the future will be kind of a role model of good economic management in <laughs> 10 years. Perhaps we'll we'll be, see. <laughs> there will be like economic scholars from Zimbabwe coming to Ex Australia to lecture us about <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, like how to manage an economy. I think we need a silver lining. we're eating bugs. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're burning our, uh, burning our plastic money for yeah. uh, to keep warm. Yeah. <laughs> So the, a couple of other things in India, which uh, I guess are sort of related to this. So some people were here, you know, India increasing the taxes on gold and be like, ah, oh, great. You know, people will go to Bitcoin and crypto instead. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, they have this very controversial uh, crypto tax law, which came into effect just a couple of weeks ago. So what this is, is that every transaction, whether it's a capital gains tax event or not, must give 1% to the government. So mm -hmm. if I send you one Bitcoin, the government gets 0.01 of that yeah now this can be then uh what's the word i guess sort of married up with your end of financial year tax and if you've overpaid tax then they'll give you some of this back mm -hmm. but essentially every transaction even if it's not like buying and selling for trading if it's just paying for something the government now takes one percent of that at least initially and at the end of the year they decide do we owe you back some of that or not so that to me is just trying to 
I guess, clamp down on uh, the use of cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, yeah. like as uh, as a currency itself. And my understanding yeah. is this is all being managed through centralized exchanges. So if people individually yeah. send peer to peer, yeah. it's an honor system. Like you have to give that to the yeah. government Good or disclose luck it. Good that. luck, exactly. But if you are doing it yeah. on an exchange, the exchange is the one that kind of like cleaves that one percent off and saves it for the government. Yeah, I think kind of related to this is that they've now changed their data privacy laws quite mm. drastically. So uh, data centers, uh, virtual private server providers and virtual uh, private network providers in India are now required to keep logs for five years, which obviously, if you know much about those type mm. of services, they're not services that you want to log your activity. Mm. But now they're saying essentially we're clamping down on gold tax um, or we're, we're increasing gold tax. We're clamping down on cryptocurrency and we're going to start data logging everything that happens within this country for the next five years so we can perhaps police these things in retrospect. Yeah. Actually, in India is like kind of an interesting example. They seem to have the government very seems to have a very kind of socialist type mindset in mm. terms of like trying to control people's money and like everybody you have, you know, clamping down on gold and Bitcoin. Like they really want people to use the currency and yeah. not other st stuff, but it's interesting because, yeah, with gold, for example, actually, in yeah, Indians own quite a individual, like Indian citizens, own quite a lot of gold. Yeah. So yeah. despite all these efforts, actually, Indians do own a lot of gold in yes. India. They're the second largest importer of gold yeah, in the world, yeah, which yeah, I, I had no yeah, idea yeah, until yeah, the story. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, despite the government's efforts. And um, Bitcoin, uh, and that's kind of, Bitcoin's kind of, gold is kind of decentralized, but Bitcoin is also very decentralized. It's mm. even easier in some ways to move and transfer and it import. It. Yeah. Like, you know, importing gold, like it has to come physically, you know, <laughs> importing Bitcoin into mm. India is much easier. Absolutely. You, know, you don't need like a, you don't need a, you know, a ship or something to, import Bitcoin That's just right. electronically. Um, so like at the end of the day, I think if there is a demand, like even if the government tries to stop it, I think if there is a demand, I think it's going to be hard to stop people from owning Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like an evolutionary thing that people will flee to something that is yeah. more efficient, that keeps yeah. them alive, and that's yeah. that's hard money. And there's yeah. a bit of a, what's the term, a Streisand effect, when the yeah. government says, don't buy Bitcoin, don't yeah. buy gold, keep yeah. our currency because it's collapsing. Yeah. People are going to go, maybe I should buy Bitcoin and buy gold, yeah. even if I'm getting taxed more, yeah. even if you need to like circumvent this 1% tax rule or yeah. something, people are probably more yeah. willing to do that, yeah. Yeah. just because yeah. the government says, don't do that. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. shines right. a light right. on right. it. Right. So yeah, I believe, so what's the actual law? In India, import duty. So I think at one point they actually banned owning gold pers like for individuals or yeah. person or something like that. Is I think that, that was yeah. a while back, but yeah, yeah. now you, you're allowed to bring it in, but it's just, you get yeah. taxed quite heavily. Yeah. It used to be about seven and a half percent. Now yeah. with this rule, it's around 12 and a half percent. Yeah. So it shows because some people say like, what if the government bans Bitcoin? I think, and that kind of shows like in India, okay, well, the government banned gold, but people still own gold. And, um, and I, I know it can be done because it was kind of done in America, but mind you, in America, people still did, like there were people who, when it was banned in like the 1920s gold, mm. people still did, there were of people course, who, yeah. Yeah, who held gold, like secretly, not, not everybody turned their gold in. Um, so like with Bitcoin, I think it's, like you can make it harder and you can make it kind of go underground, mm. but it's gonna be really hard for a government to stop people owning Bitcoin, especially in an economic collapse type situation. That's it. At that point, um, like the incentive is going to be so great. And I think the government would just be unable to police yeah. something like that. That's it, especially when it relates to people's survival. Yeah. They'll go to yeah. it regardless. Yeah. Look, pretty much related news. The Bank of Japan now owns more than 50% of all Japanese government bonds after starting, in quotations, temporary quantitative easing in 2001. Okay. So this, I mean, I don't know if it requires much comment, that is outrageous, a central bank owning a majority stake in uh, essentially a government's bonds. Yeah, okay. And other countries are not far behind. So I thought America would be pretty close to that. America's at about 20, 25%. But when you look at uh, like the UK, you know, England, 
they are yeah. they're getting pretty close to this yeah. too. And given that this is a trajectory upwards, I imagine they'll be there just yeah. in a matter of time, essentially. Yeah, I mean, the word Ponzi comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you need to keep pumping money into it. And yeah. if you don't, the whole thing collapses. So there's just incentive to keep pumping money into it until you own, I don't know, 100% yeah. of the government bonds. Outrageous. Yeah. In uh, some US news, uh, the SEC, uh, Gary Gensler, who's the head of the SEC, yeah. he's labeled Bitcoin a commodity again. Um, okay. This is like the third time that he's done it in talking, uh, while also alluding to other cryptocurrencies likely being non-complying securities, which is very much michael saylor's narrative now yeah, rather than yeah. calling it digital property yeah he's calling it a commodity digital commodity yeah similar well not similar but sort of related news the sec rejected grayscale's uh spot bitcoin etf application again mm. so grayscale is now suing the sec saying that is having very arbitrary and capricious stance on bitcoin spot etfs basically their stance doesn't make sense mm -hmm. um given that we have so many spot etfs now throughout the world the US is the only one without one, mm -hmm. and they don't seem to be providing a good reason for it. So Grayscale has uh, partnered up with a couple of other companies to more or less sue them. Okay, um, yep. So some more institutional news. OpenNode has partnered with Lemon Cash, which is a Latin American fintech company uh, with the intention to bring the Lightning Network to over 100 million um, Argentinians, which pretty cool news. Uh, sounds like, yeah, some, some places are sort of barreling ahead with Bitcoin. Some people are trying to like put the brakes on Mm -hmm. I guess um, more sort of got this institutional or regulatory news. Um, the Bitcoin Policy Institute, which puts out a lot of FUD busting articles, has uh, submitted a report to the US Department of Commerce on digital asset competitiveness <clears throat> just to essentially explain what is Bitcoin, why it's about Bitcoin and, and not shit coins, um, and the numerous positive humanitarian and environmental impacts Bitcoin can have as long as the US stops delaying things like, say, spot ETFs. Um, regulatory clarity, um, even things like uh, property rights, etc. So there's a lot of push, I guess, at the moment for institutions partnering with each other, as well mm -hmm. as trying yeah. to kind of like partner with uh, the government and partner with the state to you know push Bitcoin forward. Now, yeah. sorry. No, you yeah, 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 yeah continue, continue. I think, yeah, look, there doesn't need to be too many comments on that. Like some yeah, of it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, some headlines for people to know, like this is a lot of places barreling ahead with Bitcoin, a lot of places yeah. trying to put the brakes onto right, Bitcoin, at least right, in the meantime. Yeah. This bit of news I'd like to talk about is uh, Peter Schiff's bank in uh, Puerto Rico has been closed by regulators um, for allegedly not maintaining the net minimum capital requirements. So Peter Schiff said he was unaware of the requirements, had no prior communication. Um, and he has since found a buyer for the bank that's willing to inject capital far in excess of the requirements, but the authorities are not allowing the sale and are essentially freezing his accounts. Peter Schiff has then said that he's personally impacted by it, but those accounts were also holding the majority of his customers' funds. So his customers are likely to lose money from this too. He believes that it's all a, um, what's the word, kind of like a, kind of like an attack on him saying yeah. that he's getting a lot of uh, allegations that are not at all true uh so puerto rican regulators think that he's involved in some sort of tax evasion which is why they're not allowing him to sell the bank and why they're freezing everything um but he's saying none of that's true and so this is an evolving story we'll have to see where it goes but the reason i've included it is because peter schiff for a very long time has obviously been a proponent for gold but not yeah. for bitcoin and bitcoiners yeah. have been trying to say this third party risk in banks third-party risk in your own bank and he hasn't believed that up until this point and so yeah. i don't think this will change his mind about bitcoin not yet at least but uh, just interesting to see someone who's been such a large proponent now i guess get a bit of learning about what bitcoin uh, provides in terms of self-custody and no third-party risk yeah i mean like i actually have some respect for shif and yeah, um, obviously he was uh, I don't think he's the enemy. Like he doesn't, no. he doesn't like Bitcoin. That's okay. That's but fine, yeah. like he's, he does have like kind of a free market, live and let live attitude, which is fair enough. He likes prefers gold, whatever. I mean, that's his choice. Mm. Uh, he certainly criticized the kind of government uh, virtue, the bad decision making and companies yeah. of the government, which. Like so, we're on the same side with that. I think he understands yeah. Bitcoin, but gold is his. Yeah, that's his that's solution. His that's his, yeah, like yeah. our solution is Bitcoin. His solution is gold. Yeah, which is fair enough. But we still like agree on the problem. Yes, absolutely. Um, and whether he's target, yeah, I mean, I don't know the details. Maybe he's being targeted. So I don't want to like kind of 
rejoice in his no and, and that's why i say allegations because nothing's yeah. been proven even yeah. though they say he's doing tax evasion he's yeah. saying i'm not doing any of that this is what they told me but then now it's all very yeah. incongruous because i can fix yeah. that problem they're not letting me fix it yeah but i guess we'll yeah. just sort of see how it shapes yeah. up but Who knows? Yeah. this is still a bitcoin mm. fixes this kind of scenario yeah I think. yeah yeah so shifting to some australian news i'll um i'll throw out just a few headlines and then maybe we'll we'll focus a bit on one of the topics so one is that btc.com.au, which I had never heard of before, which is an Australian cryptocurrency trading platform uh, that's been around since 2018, uh, is closing down as of the 22nd of July. Mm. Uh, and that's due to what they say is the cryptocurrency and stock market liquidation events, which mm. means they were probably mm. over leveraged as well. And luckily, they're not uh, freezing withdrawals or, or user accounts. They're saying to people, you need to withdraw your funds by the 22nd of July and you need to download all your end of financial year tax reports and so forth. So if anyone is using that platform, I would say heed that notice and warning and, and take your funds off the exchange and mm. get whatever documentation yeah. you need because they're now going out of business. Interestingly, they had expanded um, at about five times their you know initial rate yeah. last year in terms of like bringing on yeah. your staff members and so forth. So obviously like that big run up they're over-invested or, or over, yeah. you know, um, what's the word, kind of got loans and then now yeah. can't pay it back. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a bear market and bear market, you know, things go down Get a little tighter. bit. Yeah, tighter, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's quite a few digital currency exchanges in Australia, so it's much more competitive than it was a few years ago. True. So, you know, it, these things happen. That's right. And look, it's not all bad news uh, for Bitcoin exchanges and lending platforms and everything else. So Vault, which is um, apparently Australia's first online-only bank, they've shut down now due to issues with raising new funds. Okay. Um, yeah. That hasn't led to any any accounts being frozen or people yeah. not getting their money because that's insured by the government up to yeah. 250000 per account. But just interesting to see um, a bank now shutting mm, down in mm, Australia mm, as well. Mm, yep. Yeah. Um, this is just some interesting news, not new news, but Jeremy and I stumbled across it uh, the other week where Digital X, which is the digital asset fund, they're an ASX listed company, so Australian Stock Exchange, they actually hold 216 Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Um, again, not new news, but just interesting news. I didn't know that we had many institutions in Australia that hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet, especially especially like 216 Bitcoin. It's a, okay. it's a decent chunk. So when you say it's a digital asset fund, mm. what does that mean? They hold a bunch of digital assets, including Bitcoin, mm. and people can um, like buy into it more or less to get like uh, digital assets. Mean other old coins? Other, yeah, other shit coins, okay, basically. Sure. Yeah. yeah, they have some stable coins. They don't have a lot of other altcoins, from what I can see. It's by majority Bitcoin and some stable coins. Uh, but essentially, yes, yeah, I guess you can buy their company and by proxy, you're getting um, some level of ownership of Bitcoin. Okay. But it's of course better well, to I mean, just like own the Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, 216 doesn't, uh, obviously, it'd be great if I had that, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah, seem like... It's not huge. It's yeah. not like a huge for... No, that's right. Uh, uh, it's just interesting yeah. that there's an Australian company yeah. that's on the Australian okay, Stock cool. Exchange yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that sure, owns Bitcoin sure. that put it on their I'm sure there must be other companies which have owned Bitcoin. I would say so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the bit of Australian news, which I think it's good to dwell on just a little bit, is the RBA has raised the interest rates by 50 basis points. Uh, now the interest rate is 1.35%. Yep. Uh, they intend to keep raising rates over the course of this year to try to curb inflation. They claim yeah. inflation will peak uh, later in this year, in 2022, and then return back to 2 to 3% in 2023. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, like, remind me in one year? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Peak. Okay, yeah. So we we'll see how that goes. I don't know if much more. It's, needs trans to it's transitory. It's, it's transitory. Uh, yes. It's transitory inflation. Yeah, okay. it's going to come back down basically. Yeah, okay, sure. It's every, oh, I was worried. Okay. Cool. Yeah, was, exactly. <laughs> can come much down. better now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if this requires much comment. This goes back to what we were saying just before. We got sky high inflation, interest rates going up with sky high debt, which means everyone just needs to pay more you know, interest repayments while at the same time needing to pay more for all the stuff that they need to live. Mm. I, like, I think they get to the end of this year and they need to reverse course, similar to what most federal, uh, sorry, mm. central banks will do, like the Federal Reserve, for example. Yeah. And I think this 2 to 3% prediction of CPI by 2023 is uh, complete rubbish, unless, of course, they remove most of the things from the CPI and say, hey, look, it yeah. hasn't gone up that much this yeah. month. So yeah. we'll wait and see. So what's the CPI in Australia right now? Something a, like 5.6% or 5.1%, but they're yeah. predicting that it'll go up to 6.7% by the end of this year. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, my wife was just telling me that she was buying 
like berries from the market and she's reckons she's buying 50 percent more than she was buying last year and she always tells me like all the food she's buying and everything's like 50 20 percent more expensive Absolutely. than last year well, yeah, CPI is the, the lowest possible figure yeah. they can get, isn't it? Whereas yeah. when you look at perishable yeah. goods, goods with yeah. variable inputs, uh, kind of goods that are used for storing value, mm. they're all up, something yeah. like 25 to 50%, which is yeah. crazy. So just to finish off, uh, two technical news headlines. So Samsung announces a new three nanometer chip uh, to be used in the next generation of Bitcoin miners with the intention that it has better hash rate and decreased energy use mm. um, up to about 30% efficiency basically mm. over the current five nanometer chips that are used in the the most recent generation of bitcoin miners so this is pretty cool to see uh, like samsung's already been involved with chip development of course um but the fact that they're still trying to kind of push that efficiency um and something as much as a 30 percent efficiency gain as well yeah yeah the other bit of technical news here uh, which is just really more of a, a summary is uh, the bitcoin optech newsletter which i'll probably start referring to a bit more mm. in uh, the podcasts because it summarizes a lot of recent discussions between uh, bitcoin developers yeah. about things like yeah. um what do we do with the block subsidy you know once uh, the block subsidy ends you know how do we kind of keep uh, there's some sort of reward for miners going what kind of alternatives do we have for things like reusable payment codes or BIP47, so like private transactions between two people? Uh, what other options are there for improving like scalability and privacy of the Lightning Network? So useful stuff to be um, for them to be talking and, and thinking about. And, and if you're keen to know more about those topics, I think check out that particular newsletter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Bitcoin Optech newsletter. Uh, it's great if you want if you if anybody wants to keep up to date on the technical developments in Bitcoin and Lightning. It gives a summary of what's happening and uh, it's very well done. Absolutely, it generally comes out every week or two. Um, yeah. So I'll start trying to keep more on top of, you know, what's going on with it and just sort of throw it in there so you can check the show notes and yeah. give maybe a bit of the headlines each time. Yeah. Otherwise, that's all the news that we had today. Only uh, however many topics that was, 20-something. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff going on, lots of inflation, lots of, uh, yeah, government sort of clamping down, lots of, Bitcoin pushing ahead in terms of institutions yeah. adopting and, and partnering. So yeah. I don't know, good news, bad news. Uh, I think well, it's always good news. Like if it's, <laughs> you know, like Bitcoin, this is good. This is good news. It is. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin is good news. What's the flowchart? Is this good for Bitcoin? And there's an arrow going yeah. down there that says yes. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. Global unrest, uh, you know, currencies collapsing or hyperinflation. Yes. Absolutely is. Yeah. And I, uh, there's nothing in here that scares me, to be honest. This yeah. is literally the thesis of Bitcoin is yeah. playing out now. Yeah. Hopefully the rest of the world catches up and then decides to move to something like right. Bitcoin instead. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, Daniel, for your time. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you enjoy the content, please share it around and, subs and subscribe if you haven't. And if you listen on a podcasting platform that allows you to leave reviews, then please do leave us a review. It does help us uh, expand the podcast out to further audience. So thanks for listening. And until next time.